Good to be near God. Thank you for your prayers, Jen and Jesse. Thank you, worship team. Um, welcome. I feel like I've been uh, training for this day all my life. I often talk to myself, so that's, uh, it's been a helpful training process. But thank you, worship team, for sticking around and um, welcome everyone online. Welcome, family. Miss your faces, miss your uh, interchanges in the parking lot and in the foyer, and look forward to seeing everybody again next week. And uh, yeah, so this morning, uh, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about gentleness. You know, we, uh, as we look back on, on 2020, uh, we look back on a year that was pretty violent, verbally violent, and even physically violent. Violence, I believe, has ruled the day. People have been on edge, really feeling out of control. Um, and what bubbles up are anxieties and fears that have led to anger, contempt in us and in others. Mandy Smith put it well this week. She said, 2020 has shown us our humanness. We can't fix control, or understand as much as we thought we could. Are you feeling that? Can you relate to that? Realizing you can't fix, control, or understand as much as you thought you could? I know that's true of me. Friend Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo's here. Good morning, Bilbo. Well, Bilbo says this. Said I f this is actually in a movie. I feel thin, sort of stretched, like butter scraped over too much bread. Like butter scraped over too much bread. Do you ever feel like that? You feel like that now? Maybe it rises up in impatience, anger. Do you find it more difficult to let love cover a multitude of sin when someone's bugging you? Are you, do you find yourself taking up offenses that you'd normally just kind of let roll off your back or failing to give people the benefit of the doubt? If you are, friends, you're not alone. You're not alone. We've suffered a lot of losses in 2020, heading into 2021. The loss of normal. There's a lot of grief revealing in a lack of gentleness in our society and as well in us, Christ Church. Let's pray, and we're going to look at our text this morning out of Philippians. God, we need your transformative work in our hearts. We need you, Holy Spirit, to guide us, to gently show us where we are going off track we want to be the kind of people that represent you well. We want to be gentle. We want to experience gentleness from others. And so would you help us this morning, even as we look at your word, may it uh, admonish us, correct us, encourage us, and train us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in Philippians 4. 4 to 7. We're going to read this together. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A lack of gentleness is pervasive. We see it in our society. I think in some ways we're trained up to not live gently. We're trained up to fight. And yet gentleness is the way of the kingdom of God. It's the, first, it's the fruit that naturally grows in our life when the Holy Spirit is in charge of us. You see, as people who die to the old self and who have come up out of the waters of baptism into new life in the kingdom of heaven here and now, we have been given power by the Holy Spirit. He promises to empower us to walk more and more gently, gently with ourselves and gently with others. Well, as you'll remember, Paul is writing this letter from his penthouse suite in Rockefeller Center in New York City, right? Can you picture he's looking down, he's seeing people skating on the ice? No, he's in jail. Paul's in jail, writing from prison. And yet, in spite of his circumstances, Paul doesn't freak out. He doesn't lose his mind in this letter. He doesn't go off on the church in Philippi just because he's heard of some of their struggles and their sin patterns. Because Paul has learned the spiritual practice of rejoicing. He has a better perspective. He knows that we are in process. He knew that these people were in process. We'll never arrive, but we're in process. And that is the truth for us as well. To have that perspective. Let's rejoice Let's thank God. We talked about that out in the parking lot a couple months ago. Gratitude. Perspective is important. Here's a question. So you think about gentleness. How do you respond when someone or something is threatening to you or keeping you from something you want? Is your default response to let gentleness be evident to all? Do you, do you pause? you pay attention to your emotions when someone is refuting something you said or keeping you from what you think you need or want? Or do you find that it is more normal for you to react with equal parts violence, audible words, caustic keystrokes on the computer or on your phone. Maybe you stomp off or take off, disengage. Paul says, let your gentleness be made known to all people. We're going to use this simple definition of gentleness this morning. I believe it's helpful, it's helpful to me to think about gentleness being power under control. You see, that little bird is at risk, isn't it? Those hands could very easily, you know, crush that little bird and take its life. 
So I think it's helpful to think about gentleness being power under control. To live gently means that although we have the capacity to do harm, we have the capacity to harm others, you instead treat people, other living things, yourself, with care and with dignity. You have the capacity to do harm, but you don't. You hold it back. Well, like you, I know how it is to have a a rough day, right? 2020 has been filled with a lot of them. Hard days of decision-making, and then the rules change, and you have to make a whole set of other decisions. I'm looking out here and seeing school administrators. I don't know how you guys are still together, but I praise God that you are. Uh, at least physically. <laughs> Maybe you're going a little nutty here. but um, So we have these hard days, and we, maybe we come home, and, and your, your fuse is shorter. Maybe your words are a little less kind or a little harsher. Maybe contempt has risen up in you. Rather than with gentleness, we speak. Right? And in that moment, sometimes we fail to recognize the power that we have. We do harm. You've probably witnessed it on TV, watching news, online, on social media. It's often that we see somebody, they'll share their opinion, and then you make the mistake of looking in the comment section. Or someone responds. The debate turns quickly into a downward spiral into personal attack. And next thing you know, people are verbally punching and stabbing each other, right? Well, these are the politics of this world, the rules of engagement. That's the flesh. That anger is the flesh, not the politics of the kingdom of God. The politics of the kingdom of God is a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life. Think about this even as, as leaders, as a pastor, as an, as an elder, I know that I carry some power. And even this morning, I, my words carry power. I have, the, I have the capacity to injure people. It's probably the scariest part of standing up here, is not knowing, because of this one-way conversation, not knowing what exactly is being heard. I hope it's encouraging. Capacity, gentleness, power under control. Let's talk about this, this gentleness. See a racehorse. Look at those muscles. I'll save that other story for some other day. But there's a bit in this horse's mouth. Do you see that? To be gentle is not to be weak. It's not what gentleness is. It's not to show weakness necessarily. Rather, it's recognizing that you have strength that needs to be harnessed and used for good and for life-giving ways. That's how we're to use our power. Because unchecked power with less than perfect character is going to run amok. It's going to hurt people. That's why we don't give 12-year-olds the keys to the car. They don't have the responsibility yet. They don't have the understanding that that thing's a bullet. We need, to, we need the discipline of restraint. And even better, we need a transformed heart 
so that we don't actually have to try and do the restraining, right? That's part of the process is, is moving toward being, being a gentle person. Let your gentleness be made known to all people. Not just those who agree with you. Not just those in the church. Paul's talking to the Philippians. Why would he point that out? Well, probably because he means all. It's easier to be kind and nice to Greg and Annette. It's harder to be nice to that guy that ran the red light or, or cut in front of you, right? It's hard to be okay with those you disagree with or have conflict with. This society is not marked by gentleness, and sometimes it kind of seems unfair that, that God would ask us to live gently when everybody else doesn't have to. So I, I, you know, it's like, ah, but mm. seems unfair. The politic of the world, life in the flesh, is marked by selfish violence that seeks its own good. Friends, I'm afraid that some of that has infiltrated the evangelical church. It's impacted our witness in the world, that lack of gentleness. I wonder if we were to walk around our streets and towns asking people, hey, you know, what's the one word you think of when you think of church? Would that word be, you know, gentle? Those people are gentle. It's a humbling thought. Because when I feel threatened and react in angry zeal, when I think I'm right or I know I'm right, I'm learning that this is a sign that I'm living out of my false self. I'm living out of my flesh. I'm living the politic of the world. The anxieties, the fears of being controlled, living with those, rather than living out of a deep, enduring trust that Jesus is my sovereign king, and that come what may, he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me. You see, when the truth of the gospel is breaking through us and into the world, the first fruits are what? They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness becomes who we are when we're walking in the flesh in the kingdom of God. So if we've chosen to put to death the old man, we've said, I want to follow Jesus in his way of life. I want to be an apprentice. Then our life is going to be marked more and more by gentleness and less by violence. Gentleness, I believe, is a real test of our trust in Jesus. Dare I say that violent people, aggressive people, people like to, that like to fight with word, people or violent character, are people who put them, their trust in themselves. The tree of violence grows in the politic of this world, and its fruit is relational, spiritual, and even sometimes physical death. Gentleness is a test of our trust in Jesus.
When it comes to living gently in a violent world, there are a couple ways to look at people that we have conflict with. One is to view them as an enemy that we need to defeat. Or someone to, right, to, someone to pound into the earth, someone to disregard, get away from. The other, is, the other way is to see them as a fellow image bearer who we can help to lead to healing like Jesus did. We see their violence coming as a result of previous unhealed wounds. Maybe you've heard that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. It's a helpful phrase, especially helpful when I know that I wasn't the one who hurt or caused that overreaction. You've probably been there. You've said something, all of a sudden the punishment didn't fit the crime, that kind of thing. So to know that hurt people hurt people allows me to be quicker to take a breath, to understand that that isn't this person's character. This isn't who they are. This is, this is a result of what has been done to them. It is a result of perhaps something they did and then they're living with a sense of shame. And so these words are... They're not who they are. They're what's protecting them. It's flesh. Is there someone that you want to overpower and defeat today? Can you think of someone? Maybe a coworker? I see Dave out there wonder. Maybe it's a neighbor, family member, somebody online, someone who disagrees with you politically or theologically. I think it's fair to say that people who don't live gently are likely people who have a difficult time receiving God's gentle grace and love for themselves. Because if you can't receive God's gentleness toward you, you've got nothing to give out to anyone else. You can't give what you don't have. I think there are a couple other things that we need to talk about, nuance around this word gentleness. To be gentle doesn't mean that we're to be passive pushovers. To be gentle doesn't mean that we can't speak up for ourselves or speak up for someone else. I think we're supposed to do that. Doesn't mean you shouldn't use your power to resist. It's how we use our power to do some of these things that really matters. So how do we hold these things together? Well, I think there was someone that really held these things together quite perfectly. The Sunday school answer, Greg, is Jesus. Greg, you got it. I'll get you your sticker after. We're going to look at Matthew. I didn't put the scripture passage in there, but this is Matthew eleven twenty-eight, And Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here it is. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Is that a good word for 2020, heading into 2021? Jesus is gentle and humble in heart, and because of that, you can find rest for your souls. Jesus wasn't passive when it came time to advocate for the poor. Jesus was strong when it came time to speak up for children. He was strong when it came time to rebuke the religious leaders for their misuse of power. Jesus was strong and gentle. In Jesus' life, you see the right way to use power. He always had his power under control. He was always submitted to the Father, led by the Spirit. Living gently means we trust Jesus. Living with our power under control is a sure sign that we trust Him. Paul's trying to get this Philippian church to turn from living out a worldly politic of fighting to living out gentleness, a politic of the kingdom. He's saying, you do not have to, nor should you, live out the aggressive, angry, attacking way of the world. There's a better way to disagree. There's a better way to advocate. And Jesus showed us how, and He did it with gentleness. In the very incarnation, God acts gently. Jesus could have arrived on the scene like an earthly king, an aggressive, attacking, angry, cantankerous figure, but He doesn't. He comes gently as a helpless baby, because that is the character of God. Look at Jesus' public ministry. He's incredibly gentle. Think about when, when Jesus was being arrested. What did Peter do? Peter lived the politic of the world, and he chopped the soldier's ear off, right? What does Jesus do? Peter, chill picks up the ear, heals him. Gentleness. Even amidst, even though he's going to the cross. Gentleness. Even though he knows he's right. This is a misuse of power. Jesus responds with gentleness. Romans 2.4 God's kindness is intended to lead you to Repentance. It says kindness. I think there's gentleness in kindness as well. It's winsomeness, right? Proverbs 15.1, a gentle word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that what we're seeing in culture? It's a politic of the world. When was the last time you spoke or acted forcefully with someone and they responded back with gentleness? If they did, that was a kingdom of God kind of reaction. But usually that's not how it goes, is it? Usually that's not how it goes. Usually when we speak with violence or we write, type with violence, we're met with violence. Do you notice that? We want to learn to default with gentleness. That's what God wants to do in us. Notice that Jesus doesn't go out with guns a-blazing, right? 
So here's Paul reminding us that God is gentle with you. In spite of your sin, in spite of your violence toward other people, toward yourself, even toward Him, right? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus didn't come to condemn us for our sin, to wipe us out, to judge us in the moment. That's not why Jesus came. But rather, the good news is our gentle, powerful King absorbed and defeated sin and ransomed us from our great enemy to set us free and on the road to gentleness, on the road to character that demonstrates the Father. Friends, most of us have been hurt by life. Some of us have been really, really deeply hurt. We've been abandoned, rejected. Some have lost children and spouses. Marriages have gone south. Divorce. Some of you have been abused. Some have made bad choices that have haunted you all your life. Can you hear Jesus' gentle words to you this morning? Come, weary one. Come and find rest. I promise I will be gentle with you. I believe that God desires to heal our wounds. All of us have been wounded. We need counsel. We need counseling. Um, We find ourselves living out of that false self, defensive, self-protective, aggressive God wants to transform that. He wants to transform your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He wants to heal you, mind, soul, body, and heart. God's plan is to heal this world, and I believe He wants to use us, His church, to do that. So will you open yourself up to this gentle dad? Will you do that difficult work of looking inwardly? As you reflect on 2020, ask Jesus that question. God, God where, where have I been? Am I a gentle person? You know, if you, if you really, really wanted to know that, answer to that, ask somebody that you know will tell you the truth. Am I a gentle person? As we heal up, we'll soften will become more gentle, more winsome, more approachable. To be a gentle person means you are safe. We've all been around people who aren't safe. I dare say if you point to a lonely person, they're lonely because maybe they've been hurt. They've learned to lash out. They live with this self-protection, scare people off. They hurt you before you hurt them. They haven't been healed. Got some emotional wounds. But friends, these are people that Jesus desires to gather up. It's us. It's everyone, right? It's everyone out there. Have you ever considered why irreligious people were attracted to Jesus? They were attracted to him. He dined with them. He broke all the rules. He made the religious people angry. I think they hung out with him because he's safe. 
He's perfect. He knows what's wrong with them. He could speak the words. He could force his way and point it out. Matthew, you know what? Here's the thing about you, pal. But he doesn't, right? Because he knows that this is a process. Jesus was gentle with people. I have a dear friend who is attracted to Jesus and his teaching, but he absolutely rejects Christians. That's messed up. Why does he reject? Because Christians have been violent toward him with their words. They forced them, their beliefs and their thinking on him. They've judged and shamed and rejected him so many times that he can't stand them. Ugh, that's a heavy word. <laughs> but here are a few questions to reflect on for you. Are irreligious people attracted to your life? Do they seek you out, chat with you? Or maybe this one, do, you, do fellow Christians approach you and share their struggles? Share their sin, ask for prayer from you. In other words, are you safe? Are you safe? I think maybe gentleness is at the heart of evangelism. Dallas Willard wrote a book called The Allure of Gentleness. There's something about somebody that's gentle, isn't there? Somebody that's safe. Brennan Manning wrote a book called The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus. I love that, relentless tenderness. It speaks to, like, he's going after. There's, I'm always going to be tender. But he says this, One of the most shocking contradictions of Christian living is the intense dislike many disciples of Jesus have for themselves. They're often more displeased, impatient, irritated, unforgiving, and spiteful with their own shortcomings than they would ever dream of being with someone else. They are fed up with themselves, sick of their own mediocrity, disgusted by their own inconsistency, bored by their own monotony. They would never judge any other of God's children with this savage self-condemnation with which they crush themselves. But through experiencing the relentless tenderness of Jesus, we find first of all, or we learn first of all, to be gentle with ourselves. We're bearing a lot of weight in this pandemic, friends. You might not like who you see in the mirror. But the good news of the gospel starts with the fact that the one who came to rescue you, who promises to transform you by the power of the Holy Spirit, is gentle. He's gentle. And he wants to bind up your wounds. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you like him. Well, I want to close out this morning by focusing on a few things that we can actually do. 
right? Things that we can do to cultivate a life of gentleness. If I want to run a marathon, I need to train for that, or I will not run a marathon. I will run an eighth of a marathon. I will, I'm just not going to make it, right? So there are spiritual practices that will help us become more gentle. That's, that's discipleship. That is the life in the kingdom of God, right? We don't just sit around asking God, God, please make me gentle. Would you be quiet? I'm trying to be, shh, shh. I'm reading these verses. Zip it, kid. Oh, Lord, please give me gentleness, I pray. Could you keep it down? I'm trying to, right? Isn't just reading verses, although that's good and we, it helps to renew the mind, we have to do some things, not to earn our salvation, but to change, okay? So here are some things that I think might be helpful. First one is to dialogue with and pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. If you actually have, right, if you think you can hold it together, talk to somebody you think you disagree with. Notice I said think you disagree with, because oftentimes we, th- we think someone disagrees with us, and then we find out they don't really disagree with us at all. It was something else altogether. So dialogue. Pray for your enemies. It's hard to hate someone that you are praying for and asking God to work in. Second thing is to practice gratitude. Being mindful of things you're grateful for will soften you. Helps with that perspective. Third thing is spend time with people that can't do anything for you. They don't have anything to offer you. I think that would help you to grow in gentleness. Get to know them. Get to know them. The last one is uh, one that that Dallas Willard um, often practiced. He's brilliant. He could probably refute most anything anybody said if he so desired. But the last one, right? So so maybe if you're quick quick of tongue... You're not going to like this one. You like to argue. You're not going to like this one necessarily. But it's the spiritual practice of not having the last word. Not having the last word in a conversation. Don't we like to have the last word? Ooh, I want to get that zinger in. But instead, you hold back your power. You let the other person end the conversation with their opinion even and especially when you disagree with them. Well, I hope, uh, I hope these might be helpful to us. I say us because I mean us. We all need more transformation. Let's pray. Gentle Jesus, um, we know that you uh, carry power and you wield it. And we're grateful that you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us, to admonish us, to teach us, to lead us to all truth. And we know, Holy Spirit, that it's your desire to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. 
God, as I stand here on this uh, stage, I admit that I need that. I need that transformation. My friends need that transformation. We want to be gentle people, God. So would you bind up our wounds? Show us what our wounds are. Give us the courage to get them healed, to work on them, so that we can demonstrate the character of God, that we can live in the kingdom of God, in the politics of the kingdom of God this day. Pray these things in the strong, gentle name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, may you experience the gentleness of God this week.